Maybe I should use an Eddie Pot now that I'm an on-air personality. Welcome to Touchpoint, a podcast dedicated to discussions on digital marketing and digital patient engagement strategies for hospitals, health systems, and physician practices. In this podcast, we'll dive deep into the variety of topics on digital tools, solutions, strategies, and processes that are impacting our industries today. We hope to have a lot of great information and also have a little bit of fun along the way. So I'm your host, Chris Boyer. I'm a digital marketing strategist that works with hospitals and health systems around the country. You can find out more about me online by typing in at Chris Boyer and also visiting my website at ChristopherBoyer.com. Today, I am pleased to be joined by my friend and co-host, Reed Smith. How are you, Reed? I'm good. I'm good. Uh, Reed Smith. You can find me online as well. Uh, probably the easiest way is through Twitter. It's just my name, Reed Smith. Uh, or you can uh, navigate over to socialhealthinstitute.com. And of course, uh, either one of us you could track down on LinkedIn. So uh, good to be here. It's sunny in Austin, Texas. And uh, it's a good day to record a podcast. It sure is. It's sunny up here in Minneapolis as well. Um, this is podcast number 10, Reed. Number 10, number 10. So thank you all for listening. Uh, very much appreciate the support and um, uh, the feedback that we received. Uh, if you could, before we get started, have one favor. So wherever you found this podcast, uh, be sure to subscribe and continue doing that. Uh, we, we certainly appreciate it. But if you could specifically go out to iTunes, we want to make this easier for people to find and uh, doing a couple of things for us uh, will really help that. Uh, go to iTunes, subscribe, rate, and review. So subscribe to the podcast. Uh, actually give us a rating. So that's the star rating. And then actually write a review. So we would certainly appreciate that. That helps it uh, be found amongst all the other podcasts on iTunes. So Absolutely. Well, that's cool. Okay. Read this. Today's topic, we've t- we kind of promoted it or teased it in the last one. Why don't we uh, Why don't we jump in? You want to introduce the topic? Absolutely. So this uh, is something we've uh, you know informally talked about for a while. And we did talk about it a little bit on the last podcast, but it is derived from the the conversations that Chris and I both have had, which is people asking us what conferences they should attend. And so there's a couple of different things there. It's you know what what conferences you should attend, and then how to participate once you're at the conference. So really, kind of two sides of the same coin uh, and not just participate uh, in person because that's um, a little more obvious, but um, you know, in light of what we're talking about, you know, how to use digital to participate mm-hmm. while you're at these conferences. Mm-hmm. So I think first we should probably start talking Reed about the importance of education and conferences for hospitals and health systems, because I, I don't know about you, but when I worked in a hospital system, um, and the people I talk to, they're always struggling for the budget, right? They're all, this is not a budgeted right. thing, going to a conference. It always seems to always come down to a budgetary thing. And let me, let me start with a little, a little statement. You know, um, I remember at the last health system I was at, I was talking to my boss and I said I wanted to develop sort of like a professional education program for all the people that I work for and include with that uh, the ability for them to go to conferences, either national or not. And... Um, I remember my boss saying to me, she said, well, what if we send them off to these great conferences and then they leave the company? I mean, where's the investment in that? And I said to her, well, what if we don't train them and they stay? You know, right. the, the point is, is like, I think what we need to do is we need to have a better investment in, the, in our people and mm-hmm. our staff. So are you hearing the same from the people you talk to? Yeah, a little bit. I, the budget piece is the biggest one because um, you know one of the easiest things for any business, not just in healthcare, to do is to freeze travel. You know that that's something that you know um, you can make the case for. You know this is extra. We don't necessarily need to do this to accomplish our daily business goals and objectives. Again, this has nothing to do with hospitals or healthcare. It's just easy to say, okay, let's not travel. That saves us, you know, a relative amount of money. Not not including the actual fees to attend the conferences. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. So budget's a big one. And I think, you know, part of the trap that we've fallen into as marketing communication professionals is we don't have the requirement of continuing education. 
not that you can't get continuing education credits, that's not what I'm saying, but there's a lot of folks in clinical type roles or trade uh, type roles that have to, um, you know, whether it's financial services, uh, maybe legal or law type stuff in clinical, you have to have a certain amount of continuing education to keep that particular licensure. So we don't have that. Um, at least not to the extent that it is um, uh, a requirement to actually perform our job mm-hmm. in the same way. So there are things like ACHE, obviously, where you get you know credits and you get some uh, accreditation certifications, but it's, it doesn't it doesn't hamper you or, or prevent you legally from performing your job. Right, right. And so to that end, I think that there are a lot of opportunities to. For, for organizations to start to formalize this. And it could be in the role of, I know that there's a lot of education opportunities out there. There's webinars and there's you know online conferences people can go to. And of course, there's the internet where you can learn from. And I, I've even worked you know, with lynda.com as like a training program. But I think there's a, a special value that conferences play in the sort of the overall education paradigm. Education uh, uh, paradigm, so to speak, right? Um, right? There's something that you can get from going to these conferences that is a little bit different than if you go to an online webinar or, or whatever. It is. I think the biggest piece of that, uh, and so maybe l- let's jump in and talk a little bit about actually attending in-person education. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, there's a couple of things to that. You know, people always want to know which ones to go to, and we'll, we'll circle back to that here in just a second. But, you know, what, what is your goal for attending? Um, you know, what, what do you want to get out of it? And I think some of the biggest pieces there is, yes, you can attend a webinar, and that should be part of it, that distance learning piece. But there's a lot to be said for being off-site, away from the office, um, and not, you know, uh, be at a place that you're distracted continually. You know, sometimes it's, number one, it's really nice to see people one-on-one or face-to-face and be able to visit with folks. Uh, getting time with people that is a little bit harder even via phone because emails dinging in the background and stuff like that. And so you've got an opportunity from a networking perspective, um, you know, in person with people that you don't really have, you know, via the virtual world uh, mm-hmm. or even even via a telephone. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you, you build these relationships. I mean, you and I developed a relationship. Sure, we got to know each other over Twitter. But when we went to a conference and we started to actually participate and be next to each other, that suddenly makes your relationship that much more significant. And these relationships right. you carry on throughout your whole professional career. And it can only right. better you. And I know later when we talked to Judy Nyman about uh, in, in our interview with her in this, in this podcast, she's going to get into that a little bit more. But I think that's really important, that face-to-face interaction, that networking becomes one of the things that actually is the, probably the most valuable part of going to these conferences. It is, and I think some of that is not so much what can you can learn from that person right then, but what you can gain uh, over a longer stretch or you know kind of a mm-hmm. longer play. And so you're getting to meet people, interact with people, and figure out folks that that you engage well with, you know, that you've got a good rapport with, that you feel like you can learn something from. Uh, you know, it's mutually beneficial to some degree. Um, and so while while there may be folks out there that that have some really good thoughts insights, you may just not connect with those people very well. And without being in person, it's hard to determine that. So it allows you to kind of make some of those connections. So when you do run up against a hurdle, a roadblock or something down the road, you've got that network that you can draw from. uh, And you've got a relationship with them uh, where, you know, you you can spend a little bit of time and, Mm -hmm. and really gain something. Mm-hmm. Well, okay, so you teased this up a little bit earlier. You said, you know, we're going to get into some of the conferences. Really, when we look at the different types of conferences that are out there that are available to hospital and healthcare professionals, you know, there's, there's I guess we would categorize there's three different buckets, so to speak, right? Or in general, I mean, you know, obviously there's sure. some that lay out of it. So let's talk about one of the first ones, which are some of the national healthcare conferences. What are some of those that you, you're, that you know of, Reed? Yeah, and so if you think about this, if you just, if you, at least the way I do it, is visualize a calendar in your head. So as you're kind of working your way through the year, um, you know, one of the first ones that happens uh, that's a, that's a na- on a national scale is, is HIMSS. And so very, very technology based 
conference, obviously. That happens in February every year. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then as you kind of move on through, move into March, you have things like South by Southwest, uh, which has a huge health and med tech uh, programming, which we've talked about historically here. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's other things as well, but, but a big health conglomerate there. Uh, and then a little bit more on the leadership side of the equation, but still something that's, that's very um, uh, relevant to healthcare leaders is uh, ACHE, the American College of Healthcare Executives, has their annual what they call Congress mm-hmm. uh, in Chicago each March. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of healthcare leaders attend that. Uh, there, there's obviously tracks and education around a, a number of different things. Um, and then as you make your way into May, which mm-hmm. we'll talk, uh, you know, you, you mentioned Judy, uh, but the, uh, the Healthcare Marketing Physician Strategies Summit happens in May every year. Uh, and then ShishMed in September, you have Medicine X, uh, which again is more, uh, brings in some of the clinical elements in September up at Stanford, mm-hmm. the Healthcare Internet Conference in October, Health mm-hmm. 2.0 in October, and there's there's many others, but the, that kind of takes you through that that calendar year. And that's just the national level. Right. Um, so then, you know, kind of past that, you start looking at state, local, regional type things. Uh, which, you know, what, what, are some, well, what are some good examples that come to mind there? You know, all the hospital associations, they tend to put together this sort of conferences. And many, many hospitals that are within those states, they could be state or they could actually be regional. Uh, when I was in New York, there was a New York City regional conference that, w- that, that you could be a mm-hmm. part of or association, I should say. And then they would hold a series of educational events. Sometimes it's a series of events, two or three throughout the year. Um, or, you know, sometimes they bring in outside speakers from outside of, outside of the, the industry or even outside of the, um, the state itself. Uh, mm-hmm. A lot of times they're, they're really good. That brings you up to speed on a lot of the local issues that are occurring. There is, uh, you know, huge uh, emphasis on some of the challenges that are being faced. And then they try to bring in some, you know, what are some of the trends that we're seeing on a national level, that sort of thing. Now, sure. you know, I've, I've spoken at a lot of these, Indiana Hospital, you know, there's Chipper Miss, there's a variety of them. Reed, you have actually worked really closely with the Texas Hospital Association, right? Right. And so, you know, THA, uh, you know, and some of the other state hospital associations all have an annual conference. You know, a lot of that's around advocacy, you know, legislative type topics. But there's and a lot of times either a different time of the year or maybe there's a pre-conference workshop to their annual conference, but something for the marketing communications um you know, world. And, mm-hmm. and so those are interesting ones to go to. They happen obviously at different times of the year uh, and throughout the year. Uh, and we mentioned ACHE earlier, the Congress that happens. There's, you know, regions and local chapters of ACHE mm-hmm. that have all kinds of education throughout the year, uh, much of which kind of goes towards continuing education for those that are they're looking for that board certification in healthcare leadership. Um, there's different things that happen and have different tracks, much of which is marketing and communications related. And I think those are good uh, options for organizations that may be concerned about the cost for travel because these tend to be very regional, local, yep. and, and, and they're, they're certainly part of the overall mix. Now, the last kind of section or, or type of conferences that we look at, this is where it gets really uh, really diverse, and it also starts to extend outside of healthcare. And we really fr- strongly, both you and I, feel that it's important for uh, professionals that are within hospitals and health systems that should be also networking with people outside of the industry itself. So I, we kind of mm-hmm. consider these like these topic and member specific types of conferences. Now, these could be things like the Mayo Clinic has social media residency. So if you're part of the Mayo Clinic social media network, you have these social media residency opportunities where you can come and do sort of an in-depth deep dive around social media. Or maybe you have things like uh, the content marketing conference that occurs. It's an annual content marketing conference that a lot Mm -hmm. of people go to. Or Digital Strategy Innovation Summit. Um, you know, those are those are some where you start to look at specific topics, maybe a, a discipline, maybe a specific thing, and it brings in people from multiple different industries. You know, another one that we, that we see often, right, are the Reagan PR and communication conferences. Right? Sure, yeah, a number of those run a number of different topics all throughout the year, focused on people with different skill sets, different backgrounds, different industries. Uh, another good one is um, an organization called socialmedia.org. They've recently put together a uh, healthcare 
Um, <clears throat> subset of that membership, I guess, is maybe the best way to say it, but socialmedia.org slash health. Uh, again, we'll have links to all these conferences and all these different resources in the show notes. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But another more membership-based organization that has uh, you know what they deem member meetings. Mm-hmm. So not really open to the public. You know, you have to be a member there. Um, and there's, you know, of course, millions of others uh, all the way down. You know, we mentioned, you know, local type stuff, mm-hmm. Ch- you know, Chamber of Commerce. You know, mm-hmm. they've got, you know, business meetings that happen, you know, yep. monthly, quarterly with with education that happens. So lots th- and lots of opportunities out there. And I think the challenge with that one is while those are extremely important, it's almost like the Wild West in that there's so many of them and they're so hard mm-hmm. to choose and it's mm-hmm. so hard to determine and prioritize for an organization or for people that work in an organization what's the right conference for you so i think what we should probably start talking about reed is you know what are the some of the how do we cri- how do we develop criteria how do we yep. appropriately choose conferences absolutely so found a found a simple article that i felt uh, at least at a very high level had a good uh, kind of scorecard that if you had several that you were interested in, you could check through these different types uh, of boxes, fill them in, and then really kind of maybe get a picture of what works best for you. Uh, and we'll, again, we'll have a link, but it's uh, on a blog called uh, Brilliant Business Moms. I don't, I, I freak with that often, I guess. Uh, anyways, how to, how to choose a conference. And, uh, and she, she, she sketched out several that were really good. So, uh, you know, what is your goal? You know, is it for... Uh, personal career advancement, education around a topic, meeting new people, you know, what's the goal for attending? Mm -hmm. Um, What's the cost? You know, Mm -hmm. so some of the just more logistical pieces, cost, location, uh, who's going? Do you know other people um, within your organization that are going? Are there just folks uh, that are colleagues of yours in in your particular field? Um, you know, people that you maybe have met once you'd like to reconnect with or you've heard about and would like to meet in person, uh, you know, that type thing. Who's speaking? Mm-hmm. Um, so who's actually delivering the education? What are their backgrounds? You know, what, what do you feel like they have to share or add to the conversation? Uh, topics that are covered. Um, you know, obviously the Healthcare Internet Conference is an example of something that even the title of the conference is pretty uh, straightforward about what types of topics will be there. Mm-hmm. Um, number of talks and sessions. So how long is the conference? You know, how many days is it? How many sessions are there? You know, realistically, if you did attend and there's a lot of uh, programming happening in parallel, you know, how many different sessions will you be able to go to? What do you feel like you'll be able to get out of it? Uh, the format. Um, so, do, you know, does that seem to work? Does that, you know, are you able to get there, get out of there? Do you have to come in a day early because it starts so early? You know, all those types of things. Timeline, you know, what point of the year does it work? Uh, and what is it, you know, when does it happen? Does that coincide with a really busy time of year for your organization? Budget planning comes to mind and things like that, that it's going to make it hard for you to be out of the office. Mm-hmm. And then networking opportunities. We've talked a lot about that. So what, what what opportunities do you feel like, hey, these are the other organizations that are going to be there. These are the people I know are going to be there. Here are the speakers. You know, what opportunities do I feel like uh, I have to connect with these folks and gain some knowledge? Um, some of those networking opportunities are planned via the conference. So dinners, receptions, mm-hmm. uh, you know, happy hours, those types of things. Mm-hmm. Um and, and what kind of feedback, you know, and this is probably another category I'd put, you know, who do you know that's been before? Right. And, what, and what's their feedback? Right. Um, you know, do a lot of the same people continue to go every year? That may be good. That may be bad. I, I don't know. It may mean that it's a, a wonderful conference that has tons and tons of great information. Um, so anyway, all things to consider. Yeah. Uh, what, are, what are your thoughts? Well, I love the idea of making it into a scorecard. And, and what I would do when I was working at, in, with where I had people reporting to me, what, what I would do is help them pull together like uh, sort of a one sheet that says, here, I'd like to capture all of these things. And, and these are the things that we were looking at. And, and the, the main point here is you're building a business case because in, in a lot of times you're going to have to try to get that money from other places. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so if you can use the scorecard concept to put together, you know, 
document all of these things. We'll link to the article so you have that. And then you can use that as a conversation with your supervisor, maybe with your supervisor's supervisor, to find where that money can come from and, and help to, you know, help to circum, uh, circumvent the, the objections that are often faced sure. when we're trying to uh, make decisions for that. If you could do this as part of your planning for that employee, like you're sending your goals and you say, this year we're going to attend one conference or two conferences, this will give you a great context to build that as part of your larger your sure. larger approach. And I think one last thing we could to put a pin on the end of this, right, is that after you go to the conference, when you come back to your organization, be sure to share the things that you've learned and not come back with all these like great ideas. Oh, we should do this. We should do this. We saw this at the conference. But really bring back some of the presentations, some of the ideas. Maybe share them at your, your next staff meetings. Maybe do a little report out of what you've learned and what are some ideas, some practical ideas that you can apply to your organization. What, 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 what is news? All right, we're in the what's news section of our podcast now, and we found a great article that trying to tie conferences back to the, the topic of the podcast, which is digital. It's how to leverage social media while attending conferences. I found this on the Digital Third Coast uh, blog. Uh, and uh, it, what, it, what it really is, is an overview. Sort of, They asked a number of people what their tips are on how to leverage social media best. Now, when I go to conferences, Reed, I use social media quite a bit, right? I tweet. I do a lot of different things. I network with people. I know you do, too. Right? Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. I mean, social media is, you know, in, in most cases at these conferences, you know, it's kind of digital networking. I mean, mm-hmm. that's really what you're doing. Mm-hmm. And I know that you and I, sometimes we get into a little bit of a clout uh, war, so to speak. We've <laughs> yeah. done that before, back when is clout that, was relevant. Is that still a thing? No, <laughs> it's, uh, it's uh, I don't know, it's, it's fun. I, so, and, and this is just a good side note, is, you know, make it fun. You know, ha- have a reason, you know, get with other people you know, find something like clout, you know, some sort of a scorecard type system. It's just a fun way to, you know, see who can... Uh, um, you know, have the biggest impact over the course of a conference or something like that. So <laughs> now some people don't, some people find it distracting, you know, when you're at a conference that other people are mm-hmm. tweeting and others take to it really well. I know I take to it really well. I find it to be almost like taking notes when I, when I tweet, it's like a way for me to reinforce what I've heard. Uh, while others are, you know, they like to write hand notes and that's fine. But what this article does is it kind of brings forward some really great ideas that we want to, we want to share about how to leverage social media in a way to really expand, um, expand your experience at a conference. So let me, let's just dive in. There's some experts that talk about different things. The first one is a gentleman by the name of Joe Polizzi. Some of the topics that he says is says, as you're leading up to the event, you can start to share content on Twitter and LinkedIn, start to tag it. You want to maybe even find out what the hashtag is of that conference so mm-hmm. that you can start to follow because there may be some information that people are sharing prior beforehand, uh, at, you know, when they're when they're talking about what they're going to be talking at the conference. Now, sure, you're going to get a fair share of people that are also promoting and they're going to say, visit our booth, et cetera. But that may be useful for you. But start to be even before you go to the event, start to look at content and start to share content on Twitter and LinkedIn. And usually, um, I would also investigate to see if there's different types of conference hashtags. You know, sometimes the conference says this is the official hashtag, which I think is great. Uh, Other times, people make alternate versions of the hashtag. So try to research that, and you might see that wherever it's possible. If you're not sure what's the right content hashtag, use a conference hashtag. Use all of those hashtags just to make sure. So next, we've got a couple here from Robert Rose. He's got a couple. Best way for conference goers to connect with influencers, speakers on social media while at the conference. He says Twitter and LinkedIn. Yeah, I agree. Twitter and LinkedIn are probably the best best ways to connect with people, to interact with people. And while you're at the conference, using Twitter is certainly a big thing. But the other thing that he mentioned is that he's starting to see more and more people starting to use Snapchat, Instagram stories, and even Facebook Live to cover things at events. Now, again, those things are relatively new. I think people are still trying to figure those out. But Twitter and LinkedIn, those are the things that you should spend time on. 
the Facebook piece, while Facebook Live is interesting, Facebook still, for the most part, um, if not exclusively, you know, people using that are using that from a personal standpoint. And so you have less connections on Facebook from a professional standpoint, especially on a national scale, than you would something like, like Twitter. Right, right, exactly. So Eric Engi gives some tips about while you're at the conference. He says, first of all, it, it, look for those great speakers, follow them on Twitter, LinkedIn, see what they're writing about. And if you really want to have, you know, sort of that dialogue, he suggests attending, obviously, their sessions, right? And being mm-hmm. in the front row and try to speak to them afterwards. But don't go to them in a sort of self-promotional way, like saying, hey, I really love what you're saying. Come to my booth after this. But really, <laughs> you know, use that as an engaging dialogue. And you don't want to, when you're at a, at a conference or even beforehand, act too self-promotionally. Even if you're a vendor that's going to be presenting there, you want to provide right. value, add to the dialogue. This just goes back to the old adage, um, It'll serve you well to be um, interested instead of trying to be interesting. Um, Next, we've got uh, John Doherty. uh, Live tweeting the conference. Uh, Great way to get your face in front of everyone at the conferences on social media. If you're good at it and you can kind of get that cadence down, by all means, that's that's a great way to do that. Mm -hmm. Write roundups from the day. Uh, That's that's a great way to do that. You know, Storify, things like that. where you can really give a recap of the day because usually at the end of the day, everybody's off to the networking event, mm-hmm. those type mm-hmm. things. If you've got a few minutes uh, either throughout the day that you can kind of uh, have a blog post in a running draft or something like that, that you can push out at the end of the day, that's uh, that's always great. Or the you know first thing the next morning before the next, next day gets started. Uh, so, you know, be, being a resource, I think is really what he's, what he's saying here. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so we're going to add to this now, Reed. One of my super pro tips is if you're tweeting at a a conference, and maybe people are referencing in the conversation about, uh, you know, well, we did this thing online, which is really great, blah, 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 blah. I tend to try to find the link to what they're referring to and add that to the tweet. Because yes. then it becomes meaningful. Then you have a link. You can f- explore that further. That's great for people that are in the room. That's great for people that are outside the room so they know, that, so they have that context of what to talk about. So reference, links, all of that. I even do that with stats. If they say a stat, I try to find a, a substantial banking, backing up of that stat. Um, second thing I would say is uh, once you start to follow people at the conference, follow them. That's a great way to start building that professional network, but try to meet up with them afterwards, right? Maybe say, hey, loved your tweets. Let's get together at the next breakout session or the next uh, you know, conference or the next whatever, and let's have a cup of coffee. Love to learn a little bit more about you. That's a great way to meet people and meet a lot of great people that way. And here's my third tip, my third super pro tip, podcasts. Listen to podcasts about conferencing. That's a little meta, isn't it? But also, <laughs> also, I think podcasts are a, a big part of this. Now, we're going to be part of one that's coming up. We're going to talk more about that in a little bit. But um, the point is, I think podcasts are an important part of this, too. A lot of times, there are great podcasts that come out of South by Southwest, HCIC, whatever. Listen to those because that allows for people that have attended to go deeper into some of the things that they learned. Touch point. Touch counterpoint. There are two sides to every story. Ready, fight! All right, welcome back. This is Touch Point, Touch Counterpoint, and we have a an interesting argument, so to speak, that we're gonna we're gonna tackle into here, uh, related to conferences. One that we hear a lot, read, which is. Uh, where do we get the most value? Should we as healthcare professionals focus in on healthcare specific conferences versus non-healthcare, you know, very niche specific conferences or maybe multi-industry conferences? And now just before we jump in, just so people who are listening maybe for the first time know, this is the part of the con- the podcast where Reed and I take extreme opposites of an argument and we try to argue it in order to find that common ground. Now, we're going to argue an extreme side and kind of go against each other, but uh, you know that whether we believe in that side or not. So, Reed, <laughs> do you believe that healthcare-specific conferences are, have the most value, or would you rather focus on some of those more, you know, those multi-industry topic specific conferences 
can I call it multidisciplinary since that's yeah. what we use in healthcare? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, I would, I'm going to go um, the multidisciplinary approach. Uh, it's clearly provides the most value. Um, like we said earlier, there's limited budget. And uh, if you've got a limited budget, go to the one that provides you uh, the most uh, kind of varied array of uh, resources and opportunities. It's, I mean, it's just a no-brainer. Well, I'm going to politely disagree with you on that, Reed. I think that if, because of the very fact you have a limited budget, you should be going to conferences where you can actually learn something that would be most applicable to what you do, which is what other hospitals and health systems are doing. So therefore, you need to focus in on those healthcare-specific conferences. You're going to get great information and things that are more relevant and easier for you to implement and and take forward. Yeah, but you can do that at the non healthcare specific conference. I mean, you can take those same ideas and this is the problem. We usually get our blinders on and we're going to listen to people talk about things that we already do. And I don't know what the value of that is. Well, yeah. Okay. I could, I guess I could see your point. If you want to go to a conference to learn how to use Snapchat glasses to improve uh, engagement <laughs> with your followers. But I mean, honestly, this is not useful to us. And we have to be very specific, you know, about what we are trying to do. We can hear a lot from other people that maybe are trying to engage people around retail focused or consumeristic focused products and brands and things like that. But if you if you go to healthcare specific ones, you learn how to actually engage with patients, how to how to use these tools and, and strategies to apply to what you're doing. Sure. You do. However, I still think, um, you know, if you start thinking about patient experience, for example, or just experience in general, um, that's something that, again, we've spent a lot of time looking at patient experience through the lens of a um, a healthcare consumer only, not, you know, maybe the way the Ritz-Carlton approaches experience or the way, um, you know, different organizations, you know, universities um, you know, look at how to attract, you know, new students. And so I think there's things we can learn, uh, that really may help put us ahead of, um, our local or regional competitors, you know, as we continue to plan and look, you know, towards the future. Again, I don't think hearing a case study of how Oreo was using social media effectively through the Super Bowl is going to help us in a hospital setting to improve the way we're actually uh, working through social media, the way we're, we're, we're trying to engage with patients. I think those things are good and those are interesting, but we have a hard time crossing that chasm, so to speak, taking those ideas and concepts and being able to apply them. If you're trying to get the biggest bang for your buck, you want to go to those healthcare-specific conferences and seek out those thought leaders that are doing cool stuff well that's our own problem then like we should be better at our jobs so the oreo dunking in the dark thing i get but i think the learning piece there not to get too far into that is to have a plan to be prepared and so if we apply that towards crisis communications or whatever it may be having those assets and everybody bought in that we're able to do something without, you know, 19 layers of approval uh, is, a, is a great way to, you know, kind of continue to look at that. You know, I, I still think uh, from a networking perspective, from an education perspective, attending something that has, you know, multiple industries involved, not just healthcare, but including healthcare uh, is the way to go. I think that's where we're going to have to end the argument, Reed, because quite frankly, I, I tend to agree with you on some of the some of the what you're saying here. I mean, I, as as with many of these extreme situations that we have um, with with our touch point touch counterpoint uh, part of the podcast, the answer really falls somewhere in between. I think you need to have a healthy mix. Don't you agree? Yeah, I mean, there's obviously pluses and minuses to everything. Uh, you mm-hmm. have to figure out what's going to work for you. Uh, what you have the budget to accomplish, what you can provide the most value back to your organization in the shortest time frame as you're getting started uh, and make that business case. All right. Welcome back to our Ask the Expert section of our podcast. In today's 
podcast topic is about conferences. And when we were thinking about the expert in this space that knows all about healthcare conferences, our thoughts immediately went to our good old friend, Judy Nyman. Judy, thank you today for being part of our podcast. Nice to talk with you, Chris. Some people that are listening may not know who you are. Do you think you could share a little bit of your background? Of course. I started working in healthcare conferences with the Joint Commission on Accreditation of Hospitals many, many years ago, organizing or coordinating nursing workshops on audit, physician workshops on audit, and left there to go to the American Hospital Association to be the first founding director of the Society for Healthcare Planning, which evolved into the Society for Healthcare Planning and Marketing. I left the American Hospital Association 22 years ago to start my own company, which is focused on the development of educational conferences and events for healthcare executives, primarily those working in strategic marketing, planning, physician relations, and we also do some small network events for very, very senior level healthcare executives. Conferences have evolved over the last, you know, the last decade, and the evolution is is in many ways. It could be around the content that we're seeing at, you know, the topics obviously are changing, but it's also how conferences are being run. Uh, tell us a little bit about, about what you've seen in terms of conferences. What are some of the, the biggest changes that you've seen over the last, you know, five, six years? I think some of the biggest changes are the development of conferences by organizations that typically aren't associated with conference development as a way to possibly get involved in today's hottest topics or hottest areas. And healthcare seems to be an area of more interest today than it was 10 years ago, particularly in the areas of of marketing and physician relations, as I think they are growing in importance within healthcare organizations. Mm-hmm. These are important important people to reach, and, and, and their positions are changing dramatically. They've been changing for a while. And so the need for education is critical for them. But I also see, having worked in a hospital for many years, there, uh, on, the, on the flip side of that is the budget restrictions of many of these professionals to get to go to some of these educational conferences are are tightening if not you know if not even there at all in some cases they aren't when you're talking to healthcare professionals marketers strategic planning physicians what are some of the things that you're hearing from them and how are you helping them to see the value of investing in going to a conference i think that your point about developing staff is key particularly when you look at other industries who actively put dollars into staff development. And the healthcare industry is increasingly competing with some of these tech companies and some of these other industries for the most talented staff. So to me, developing staff is almost mandatory from an organizational standpoint. You don't want your staff to be staying at the same level. You want the continual learning of staff members. So the question is more, how do they get that learning? To me, webinars have a spot. Local conferences have a spot. But national conferences bring something in addition to just the wider number of sessions. It brings people into contact with their colleagues from across the country. And if they can develop and maintain relationships with these people, which I think they generally can do, it is those relationships, in my opinion, that help continually develop along their whole spectrum of their career. Yeah, I would agree with that. It's what you learn there, clearly, but it's also that networking. How are you starting to introduce digital connections, digital connection points with conference attendees to kind of further extend that that, that relationship that they may develop face-to-face online after or even during the conference? Primarily after the conference, we're doing webinars that we try to build on those connections. Or, for example, we have a webinar scheduled with Paul Keckley on a political update. And, and Paul has... Paul, who, who in my estimation is one of the, the 
knowledgeable people on what's happening in D.C. and how it's going to impact hospitals. Over the next few years when things are evolving so rapidly, being able to hear that um, more than one time a year is really important. So while he's talking at our conference, he's going to be doing a webinar in a few weeks prior to the conference and and has agreed to continue to do webinars while things are are changing and evolving. At the conference, we do have uh, the ability through our mobile app to push some networking concepts and ideas. We're doing some things on Twitter. We're doing some things on Facebook, but we're evolving too. Today, more than ever, I think it's critical, of critical importance, that people share with one another their success stories, what's worked, what hasn't worked, so that we're not losing the ability to replicate from one organization to the other, so that people are working together and sharing what's worked in other areas. What are some tips that you would give conference attendees when they're looking over you know, the summary of, of the events? What's the best way for them to select their itinerary? Well, that's always difficult because while we are careful in selecting faculty for sessions and selecting the sessions themselves, you don't really know. Somebody might be having an off day. You don't know everyone who's going to speak, but go through the entire agenda and try to pick a balance of those things that are on your table today that you really need to hear from other people and and learn from their approaches versus some of the sessions that are on topics that you might not be doing today because maybe you haven't had the time to get to it, but know that you should be thinking about. So I would balance both. Tell us a little bit about how you select keynote speakers and why it's important for people to attend these sessions. General sessions are the one place that we think we can get messages across to people on topics that maybe are on their radar or maybe not, that we think are of importance. This year, for example, we decided that due to the change in the healthcare environment and the changing roles in marketing and physician relations, it's more important than ever to help people develop themselves, to help them look at themselves as people as well as professionals. We've got one session with a woman who does personality profiling, but in a whole different way. And as part of our agreement with her, everyone in the audience gets a personalized report as well as one year of feedback sessions. And she's going to take the profiles from everybody and give the audience an overview of what the audience profiles are. The first speaker, Stephen Kotler, is going to be speaking on how to be the best you can be. There's a number of companies out there right now who are working with Olympic athletes, but now they're taking that technology and and teaching people and executives and how to be the best they can be. And then we're going to bring in the marketing with Mitch Joel. He's the person that Google calls when they want somebody to come in and talk with them about marketing in today's environment, that he's going to talk about the evolution of a marketer in today's environment and what you are today and how to look for the future. So we're trying to balance the understanding yourself with the link to being a marketer. The reason we're bringing people from outside the industry is if you're talking to yourself all the time. You don't want to create an echo chamber. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) I love this concept of of adding more interactivity between the sessions and extending that past just that one particular session. When I go to to conferences, I tend to tweet a lot. And I notice there's a huge active online community around Twitter and how Twitter is used at conferences. What are your thoughts around that? Do you think that's good? Do you think it adds to the event or takes away? What are your thoughts? Well, I always think it adds to the event because not everybody's able to go. So they're seeing the tweets and they're they're hearing that possibly this person or this the speakers in this session have something that's really strong. So even if they're not there, they can get the recordings later or they can contact the person I think it's always interesting, and I'm always interested when I go to events, what other people are picking up and whether they're hearing the same thing I'm hearing. So I think it is good. It also introduces you to people that you, whom you didn't know because you're, you see that they're tweeting and you think, oh, this person works at such, a, such an organization and, and what they're saying is very insightful. So I'm going to start following that person. 
So it's another way to build your network. Wow, Judy, thank you so much for all these great insights. It's clear that you spend a lot of time planning and thoughtfully presenting a, a really important conference. So if people want to know more about the 2017 Healthcare Physician and Marketing Strategy Summit, where, where can they go? It's on our website, www.healthcarestrategy.com, or they can contact us and, and we can send them something. It's on Facebook. Um, we're on Twitter. It's May 8th through 10th. There's some workshop pre-sessions on the 8th in the morning, and then the real meeting or the full meeting starts at 1 o'clock on the 8th and ends at 2.30 on the 10th. It's in Austin, Texas at the JW Marriott, which is right in the middle of Austin within easy walking distance of lots of restaurants, other sites. So we're excited, and it's the first time we've been in Austin very excited about being there. Well, Reed is a native, so if you need any tips, he'll tell you. He's already promised me some really nice street tacos, which apparently is a big thing there. So the lineup looks amazing. Uh, and uh, of course, the podcast is going to be there, which is we're excited about that. Thank you for that opportunity. We'll link to your Twitter account, to the Facebook account, to your website. Really appreciate your time today. Thanks, Chris. Take care. All right, here we are wrapping up episode 10. Woo! Episode 10. What conferences should you attend, should not attend? How do you evaluate that? What should you do when you're, when, when you're there? Uh, good. It was a fun discussion. Um, mm-hmm. A lot of good stuff, a lot of good info. Um, so here we come up to the, uh, to the end, uh, talk about a couple of different things, and I think we'll focus in specifically uh, not just because of what this is about, but because it's also what's coming up uh, for us in the near future, which is Touchpoint, the podcast, is actually going to be recording in front of a live studio audience uh, at the uh, at the Healthcare Marketing and Physician Strategy Summit in May. So we've mentioned several times, you, you heard from Judy earlier, you heard from us talk about this uh, in previous podcasts. Uh, that we will be um, um, attending that conference. It's here uh, in Austin, and we will actually have a dedicated space uh, for Chris and I to set up and actually have roundtable conversations uh, with some new friends, old friends, former experts from the podcast that you've heard to this point, folks like uh, Ed Bennett, Matt Gove, etc. And so that'll be a lot of fun. So look for that. Obviously, you have to be attending the conference. Um, so this will be great supplemental uh, entertainment and education uh, for the already robust uh, uh, summit schedule that they have uh, have put together. So that'll be a lot of fun. Um, Chris, what are a couple other things that we're, we're going to do while they're... Mm-hmm. Well, we're definitely going to also be kind of getting man on the street questions. We're going to be going around with people, talking to people, uh, asking them what some of the hot topics they are, maybe getting some ideas for future podcasts from them. We're, we both are going to be equipped with microphones that you recommended on a previous podcast attached to our iPhones so we can capture conversations. We might get some good ideas from people. So consider that like sort of the man on the street reporting of the conference. And we also uh, have exclusive access to some of the keynote speakers. So we're going to be interviewing them. And so that could lead into some additional information. We'll, we'll probably be doing sort of a wrap-up of the, the, the conference itself after it happens, which will be really good. Uh, so that's really exciting. We're really excited to be there. So look for us. We're going to be walking around, sharing information. Um, uh, we'll have little information cards that we'll be handing out to people. But if you want to reach out to us beforehand, contact us on Twitter or LinkedIn. Ask us for more details. Uh, let us know if you want to be part of that studio audience. We'd love to have you participate in that regard. Yeah, otherwise we're going to have to get a laugh track. So. <laughs> um, very cool, very cool. Well, uh, yes, and we'll continue to talk, talk about that in the weeks to come leading up to the conference. Uh, finally, recommendations. Uh, okay, well, I have, a, I have one that is um, related to a Netflix show. I, for those of you who may know me, I'm really big in streaming video online, and Netflix is 
putting out some really quality content lately. But the one show that recently I just binged, which is amazing, uh, and it's very, very sad, it's a show called Rectify that actually was a TV show, I think on AMC or, or something like that. But it's a Southern Gothic show set in Georgia and also in Nashville uh, about a family that was kind of broken apart because of uh, something tragic that happened to the older brother when he was younger. And it's a show that all the way up to the very end, it, it just was a tearjerker. Three seasons, really quality, quality programming. Watch it. Rectify. How about there you, you Reid? I am recommending something that has absolutely nothing to do with anything that we've ever <laughs> talked about. Um, but anyone could use or potentially use uh, Qualo. Qualo. Q-A-L-O is the brand name. And they make silicone wedding rings oh that's right silicone wedding rings so of course i have a wedding ring and i have another ring that i wear on my other hand uh that are um either uh silver or pewter or whatever you know different different materials and i do enough stuff outside and build things and work with my hands enough that um, i was always taking them off and then two i've used an, an apple products for so long i don't like the metal on metal um, it's like nails on a chalkboard type thing. And so, uh, my wife and I actually both, she's, she's a big runner, uh, does some triathlons and stuff like that. And so we both got one of these and it's something that I can keep on and wear when I'm outside, um, you know, working in the yard, uh, building stuff, you know, whatever it is. And it doesn't get in the way it flexes, obviously, uh, doesn't, you know, bury into your finger, you know, if you're holding stuff or carrying stuff. So wait, does this wrap around your existing wedding band or is this, you wear it instead of your existing wedding band? Instead of. Oh, okay. Mm -hmm. You'll see a lot of people, you'll start noticing them more, you know, those that uh, go to the gym and work out and stuff like that. Obviously, if you lift weights, you know, that bar pressing against, you know, stuff like that, you'll see people wearing them around the gym and stuff like that. So uh, they make them in different shapes, colors, uh, sizes, obviously. Um, and so if you are female and you want one that's skinny and a different color and all that kind of good stuff, um, or if you want one that's wider, um, a little more subdued and a darker color, uh, they've got, got you covered. Very cool. Now you're not recommending this because of my upcoming wedding, are you? I mean, if you're trying to save a little money, I mean, they're, they're a lot cheaper (laughs) than the, uh, the ones that have stones and precious metals. So well, good, good recommendation, Reed. <laughs> I love it. Love it. That's awesome. Yeah. All right. Well, Reed, I never thought we'd make it to... This is a, one of our first official milestones, I think. Yeah, Episode double digits. 10. Woo! Double, di- double digits. Here we are. Um, it's official. So thank you all again for the support, uh, for the feedback that we've gotten, uh, the downloads that we continue to see go up week by week. And so we really appreciate that. Again, if you could do us a favor, go to iTunes, mm-hmm. uh, subscribe, rate, review. That's immensely helpful uh, for us. And uh, it's also helpful for others to, uh, to find it. So mm-hmm. we very much appreciate it. He's Chris Boyer. I'm Reed Smith. This is Touchpoint. And we'll see you next time. 